MLB Pipeline just put out their 2022 all-rookie team and gave us a first and second team. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And last Tuesday on, on the 11th, I put out my all-rookie team, um, full lineup including DH, five starting pitchers, um, closer, reliever, all of that. MLB Pipeline dropped theirs today. And pretty similar, especially on the first team, but... They gave us a second team, and they had a couple differences between my team and theirs. So, a quick recap here. My all-rookie team, we dropped this again. This episode's in your feeds from Tuesday, October 11th, if you want to go back and listen to the show and the justifications for everybody. But, first team was catcher Adley Rutschman of the Orioles. First baseman, Jose Miranda of the Twins. Second baseman was Brendan Donovan of the Cardinals. Shortstop was Jeremy Pena, the Astros. Third baseman was Bobby Witt Jr. of the Royals. The outfield, in no particular order, uh, Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners. Michael Harris of the Braves. Stephen Kwan of the Guardians. With my DH being Seiya Suzuki of the Cubs. And then the pitchers. Starting pitcher Spencer Strider. Starting pitcher George Kirby. Joe Ryan. Nick Lodolo and Reed Detmers. My two relievers was were Felix Bautista of the Orioles and Johan Duran of the Twins. So MB Pipeline comes out with theirs, and a lot of this stuff is pretty chalk, right? Uh, Julio Rodriguez is going to be the American League Rookie of the Year. He's on the first team all-rookie team. Michael Harris is probably going to win the National League Rookie of the Year. He's on the first team all-rookie team. Stephen Kwan uh, won the first, I think, Rookie of the Month or pros- you know, Rookie of the Month award in the American League. He's on the te- first team, but there's a couple differences, and I found them really interesting, and I just kind of wanted to jump into those in the first segment before we dive into the second team because I didn't name a second team. So at first base, MLB Pipeline had Joey Meneses of the Nationals, and I'm probably saying his name right, Meneses, Meneses, I don't know. Point is. Joey of the Nationals played in 56 games, debuted on August 2nd, 324, 367, 563, 13 home runs, 14 doubles, 34 RBIs, 33 runs, and one stolen base. So struck out 52 52 times in 56 games, walked 15, uh, and it was 27 extra base hits. He did not hit a triple. And the interesting thing here is, one, He's 30 years old. So that that that's not why I didn't have him on my on my team. I didn't have him on my team because he only played 56 games. And I was trying to find somebody who I thought play, had gave a bigger sample size and and was more representative of a this is truly what the player is. And so it was Jose Miranda. The story, the career story though for Joey Meneses is really interesting. So he's out of Mexico, 2011 international free agent by the Braves. 
comes up. Um, he spends four consecutive years, three, cons- I'm sorry, three years in double A. Spends 15, 16, and 17 in double A. And his final marks at the end of three seasons with double A Mississippi. 292, 361, 404, nine home runs in that season. You know, hitting almost 300 on base over 350, sluggings over four. But like for a first baseman, it's not where you need him to be. So he got released by the Braves. Uh, spent 2018 in AAA with Lehigh Valley with the Phillies. Uh, signed in early February. Put up a good year in AAA, 311, 360, 510, over 130 games, 23 home runs, 51 extra base hits, 110 strikeouts to 40 walks. So statistically, not a bad year. Really kind of interesting how that, you know, what happened there. I don't understand. I don't know the story. I don't know if there's a if there was a history, a personal thing or whatever, but he gets released at the end of the season. Uh, gets released on October 26th. Three days later, signs with a Japanese team. Spends some time in his age his age 27 year, 2019. Spends some time playing in Japan. Just under 30 games. Stats aren't that great. Um, like 200 batting average, 288, 360 for on base and slugging. Like not great. But it's enough to sign with the Red Sox. So 2020, he signs with the Red Sox in January. Obviously, there's no 2020 season. He plays some in Mexico. And then at the end of 2021, after spending time between their AA and AAA affiliates, they let him go. And so he signs with Washington, 96 games in AAA, 56 games in the bigs. I don't know what the future is going to hold for Joey. Um, He played, from what I understand, I mean, he played a good enough first base. Uh, Obviously, offensively, I mean, batting down to 324. 367, 563 was the slash line. Again, 13 home runs, 27 extra base hits. Struck out 52 times in 56 games with 15 walks. He played well enough where I expect him, I expect to see him back next year. I don't see any reason you wouldn't bring him in. He'll still be on the big league minimum in the second year. But just an interesting story. There's got to be some backstory there. I'm going to try to dig into that and see if I can what I can find out about one, the correct way to pronounce the name. And then two, the backstory behind why statistically he performed so well for the Phillies in AAA and not only didn't get a big league shot all season, but was released at the end of the year versus being retained and maybe getting an invite to spring training in 2019. Another guy, the only real other significant difference for the first team from MLB Pipeline and what we had on Locked on MLB Prospects was in relief. My two relievers, Felix Bautista of the the Orioles and Johan Duran of the Twins. So they picked on their first team, they picked Alexis Diaz of the Reds. Uh, 26-year-old, he's actually the younger brother of the Mets reliever, Edwin Diaz, you know, the the trumpet guy. So 63 and two-thirds innings. Um, 184 ERA, 83 strikeouts to 33 walks. That's over 59 appearances. Yeah, 59 appearances. Gave up five total home runs. So walked about 4.6 guys per nine, struck out about 11.7. And the big thing here is the fastball sits mid-90s, but really unusual kind of the way he does it. So very, very low 
release point and kind of arm slot. Uh, the ball comes out of his hand 4.9 feet off the ground. Which, if you think about a six-foot-tall pitcher, I mean, how how low that has to be. And so his extension, when you look on StatCast, he is 100th percentile in extension. So that ball comes out of his hands 96, 97 miles an hour, but it plays like it's 99 or 100, right? Because it's so much closer to the plate. The slider's a plus pitch, and he likes to manipulate it a lot as far as he can do like a shorter, almost a cutter version of it. He can do a bigger, sweepier version to get some chase out of it. But his his control comes out below average. The reason he has four and a half walks per nine is because the only thing that he kind of reliably throws like more than half the time for a strike is the fastball. You know, he's he's working on the slider. He's working the slider in, trying to get chases. And because of that, uh, that's where the walks come from, is trying to get guys unsuccessfully to chase. I did notice he's unusually adept at pitching at a, one, at getting swings and misses, 37% of the time. Big league average is 25. And then he's above average at throwing balls on the edge of the zone. And I think part of that is if you're trying to get a guy to chase and you want to leave it close to the strike, so he's just throwing more there than the average pitcher is. I don't know if that's a... like what's the, What the correlation causation is there. Is he good because he does that? Or does he do that and happens to be good? Like, I don't quite know which one bleeds into the other. In just a minute, I want to get to the second team. Uh, these hitters, again, we didn't have a second team, so but there's some interesting guys in here that I want to talk about and, and their futures. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Roan. The dress shirt, ready for a radical reinvention. I work from home. I have completely dropped dress shirts, and I wear polo shirts and golf shirts now. Because of the comfort, but Roan is making me reconsider that. Roan is set up to the challenge, and Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt known to man. So they have comfortable four-way stretch fabric, and it gives you breathability, flexibility, and you're free to enjoy whatever life throws your way. Your commute, to work, whether it's in the office or at home, 18 holes of golf, whatever it might be, because they have a wrinkle-free shirt without hassle. Roan has wrinkle-release technology. Uh, So wrinkles disappear as you stretch and you wear the shirt. And on top of that, they've got Gold Fusion Anti-Odor Technology. So you're going to smell fresh and clean all day long, no matter how long it's been since you left your house to touch grass. Uh, On top of that, it's 100% machine washable. So there's no need for a dry cleaner at all because the wrinkles fall out. It doesn't get smelly and it can be cleaned in the washer. So the commuter shirt... Kitch can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to roan, R-H-O-N-E dot com slash locked on and use code locked on. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Upgrade your closet with roan. Use code locked on to save 20% off at roan, R-H-O-N-E dot com slash locked on okay so mlb pipeline gave a second team for their all rookie team and some of these guys guys we've that we've talked about before jose miranda i had him as my first team first baseman they had him as the second team over 125 games and it's hard to argue statistically he wasn't as good as joey mince's 268 325 426 15 home runs, 25 doubles, one stolen base. But 
A couple of interesting guys in this second team. Catcher, MJ Melendez of the Royals. MJ Melendez is a really interesting thing to me. So 2017 second rounder out of high school, out of Florida, was actually born in Montgomery, just up the street from me here. And he spent 580 innings at catcher this year. But he also spent 300 innings in the outfield. And it's just, it's one of those really kind of, he's a defense first catcher. He can play catcher. He can play corner outfield. He played both left and right, about two thirds and left, one third and right. He has a good enough arm where he can be your right, your right fielder. And defensively, he looks okay, except for when he's having to move backwards towards the wall to get something. He struggles with the back pedal. And I think part of that is the initial read and reaction off the ball being hit and it's going to go over his head and he has to recover and turn around and go after it. But at catcher, 28% caught stealing rate. Um, He has a pop time that is just about MLB average. Uh, But his framing, he is the bottom 1% in framing. So he's one of the worst pitch framers statistically in Major League Baseball. We've talked about this is something that is a uh, requirement more so than a nice-to-have from modern catchers. You have to be able to frame. And with the changes to balls and strikes coming, where we expect it to not be a completely automated system, but rather have a challenge system in place, you're going to have to be good at framing. And so that's something I expect to see MJ Melendez work on and and, and prove on. Uh, And Kansas City to work with him is get him better at framing. Offensively, 217, 313, 393. Uh, Over 129 games, he had 18 home runs, 40 extra base hits, and was two for five on stolen bases. Uh, Lower batting average, um, you know, OPS was only 706, something where his stats were lower when he played catcher. Catcher is physically demanding on you, but for a catcher, I feel like the offense is perfectly fine. It's average. Uh, you're not going to be disappointed if, you're, if your catcher hits just under 20 home runs. Um, your catcher has an on-base over 300. You're going to be fine with it. I do think his speed's above average, so I'm surprised to see he only got a 40% success rate on stealing. Obviously didn't try that, you know, didn't try that hard, but just kind of interesting to me as far as where that lines up and where that ends up with MJ, with MJ Melendez. Continuing on with the team. Uh, their second baseman was Christopher Morrell of the Cubs. We've talked about him on the show before. We discussed, I actually think I discussed him in last Tuesday's episode about he was my runners up, one of my runners up for this team and for this position behind. I gave it to Brandon Donovan, which they did too for their first team. Uh, but shortstop, O'Neill Cruz. And I think we need to talk a little bit about O'Neill Cruz. Uh, this pod was one of the many voices in the choir of call up O'Neill Cruz. And O'Neill Cruz has a very Interesting stat cast. Looks like a Christmas tree. Tons of red, tons of blue. Uh, O'Neill Cruz has a 35% strikeout rate this year in 87. He pitched, he played 87 games, struck out 126 times. He is literally f- first percentile in strikeouts. Flip side of that, he is ni- 99th percentile in max exit velocity. He hit a ball 122.4 this year. So that is the O'Neill Cruz experience. He is 6'7", 225 pounds. He plays shortstop. 
He has such incredibly long levers and such an aggressive approach that he is going to strike out a lot. Again, 87 games, 126 strikeouts. He will strike out a lot. But when he connects with a ball, he will absolutely destroy and murder that ball. He has 30 he easily has 30 home run power. I mean, without a doubt. The big thing is going to be one uh, his approach can he, rather than trying to guess while he's hunting a specific pitch, can he be more flexible and, for instance, sit slider but be able to catch up and foul off a fastball or vice versa? Uh, and then six foot seven, like we've talked about, he's got those long levers. What can he do to simplify the swing so he can still generate the exit velo using the leverage of those long levers, but um, the swing isn't so long where he has trouble getting to fastballs in the zone, especially with velocity, you kind of throw him inside. Um, to go along with that top 1% next at below, he's also top 2%, so 98th percentile in sprint speed, 29.9 feet per second, uh, and arm strength from short. His average throw was 93.9 miles an hour, not his max, his average throw from short. By, as measured by StatCast, 93.9 miles per hour. That is the O'Neill Cruz experience. Uh, continuing with the team, you've got third baseman Emmanuel Rivera of the Diamondbacks. A guy who's kind of been missing the power up until this year. I mean, he actually got traded by the Royals to Arizona midseason. His slugging was 399 with Kansas City after 63 games, six home runs. 17 extra base hits. He picked up another 14 extra base hits and six home runs in 39 games with Arizona. So the slugging ended up at 424. But big league stat line 238, 298, 393 over the course of the season with 12 home runs. I think he's an he's an average defender at third. He's got good range. He has a plus arm. It's just figuring out that power, getting that last final piece of the puzzle to make Emmanuel Rivera a complete player. Uh, Continuing on with the team, the outfield. Seiya Suzuki of the Cubs. We had him as our DH on the first team. Jake McCarthy of the Diamondbacks. We've talked about him a bit, not only with Millard of Locked on Diamondbacks, but on the show by itself. And then Oscar Gonzalez of the Guardians. A name that you see a lot right now because he's been producing in the playoffs for the Guardians. Going into this season, he wasn't even in the top 30. He topped out in 2018 as the number 20 prospect in the system, was down to number 26 in 2020, and in 21 and 22 wasn't even in the top 30 for the Guardians. He was a 2014 IFA. He's just been a slow mover. So 2019 was in double, like was in high A at age 21, got a 29-game cameo in double A, didn't look great. Lost 2020, so 2021 was double A, triple A, looked okay. 22 was uh, was triple A and the bigs. 91 games in Cleveland this year. 296, 327, 461. 11 home runs, 38 extra base hits, 75 strikeouts in 91 games to 15 walks for Oscar Gonzalez. And he's got plus raw power. It's been trying to get it showing up in games. And I think the thing that pushed the Guardians over the edge to go ahead and call him up 
was the swing changes that he made in the offseason. This spring in Columbus, over 41 games, 282, 308, 506 slugging. So he broke 500 with the slugging. He had nine home runs and 19 extra base hits in 41 games. I think that's why they called him up is because this Guardians team, as we've seen in the playoffs, doesn't have a ton of power. And as we've seen in the playoffs, Oscar Gonzalez has been able to bring some power to this team. Uh, And he improved his on-base percentage to boot by about 20 points at the big league level versus what it was in AAA. In just a minute, I want to get to the second team pitchers because there's some really interesting uh, names in here and some guys we haven't talked about a ton on this show. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you're really depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. There's a new flavor, uh, delicious indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. So it's the cookie dough chunk puff, light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, covered in 1% real chocolate. It's all of the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Um, Plus, it's healthy for you. All cookie dough chunk puffs are 160 calories, have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. So run to built.com, snag yourself a box. It is a great treat. I keep them in my home office when I'm feeling a little bit hungry and I don't want to ruin my my lunch or my dinner. I'll grab um, a cookie dough chunk puff. It has enough protein in there where it keeps me full until I get to that next meal. Uh, And again, good for you. So whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, a quick bite, something like that, Built is the perfect protein bar and it tastes better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, ditch the fat, ditch the sugar, and grab a Built bar. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. Okay, so pitchers on the second team. A lot of names you've probably heard of, but guys we haven't really discussed in depth. Hunter Green of the Reds is on here. We talked about his fastball was dead straight. He got did a lot of work on it and fixed it later in the year. Ended up with 164 strikeouts and 125 innings. Uh, Braxton Garrett of the Marlins is a guy. So 88 innings pitched, 358 ERA, 90 walks, or sorry, 90 strikeouts to 24 walks. Kept the walks down. That's been something that's gotten Bra- Braxton Garrett in trouble quite a bit in his career. Um, and then uses the secondaries to, indu- to induce weak contact. Uh, kind of been the big thing on him is the fastball is fine, but it's those secondary pitches, and he doesn't necessarily have a true out pitch, but he can mix and match those secondaries, uh, get guys so they just don't ever get a full-on um, complete contact to it, uh, and, and you can let the defense work behind you and get guys out. Edward Cabrera, also of the Marlins. I briefly had him on my fantasy team until he got hurt. 71 and two-thirds innings, 301 ERA, 75 strikeouts in 71 innings to 33 walks. Fastball is absolutely elite with Edward Cabrera. Fantastic. Sits in the upper 90s. Great velo to it. He's got a plus curveball. Also throws a slider and a changeup. And I think the thing for Edward Cabrera, there's two things you have to do if you're ever Cabrera. One, stay healthy. <laughs> um, he's had back injuries. He's had bicep injuries that cut short the last two seasons. And then right elbow tendonitis this year and missed the rest of the year. And so he's got to stay healthy, one. And then two, command and control. The slider's a newer pitch. 
it uh, it has shorter break to it. And I think that's good because one of the struggles is getting balls in the zone for strikes. Uh, he did a lot of work when he was in AAA last year, throwing the off speeds like to the point where he threw the fastball one every four pitches because he's trying to get the off speeds to to groove right and to land for strikes. And so I like what I've seen from Edward Cabrera. Uh, this this major league sample definitely was a situation where he showed he's getting better with that. Kept the ERA right about three. Uh, whip was just over one, only allowed a batting average post line of like 177. It was hard to put him into my first team because he did he only pitched 71 innings. I would have liked to see a little bit more. Everybody else that they have on their second team actually, Braxton Garrett pitched 88, and then just about everybody else was over 100. So a little bit of a smaller sample size, but but still thought it was really good. Uh, Rowanzi Contreras of the Pirates is another guy, the other guy on this list with less than 100 innings. He threw 95 innings to a 3.79 ERA, 86 strikeouts to 39 walks, a whip of 127, and allowed a 2.25 batting average. And he was the last piece of the Jamison Talion trade with the Yankees. Uh, fastball is is very very good, 98 miles an hour. He can throw it for strikes. And it is it is definitely a weapon. Now to go along with that, he has a slider, a curveball, a changeup. Uh, none of them hit the zone more than fifty percent of the time. They're all uh, balls more than half the time, and so that's why you see the thirty three walks in seventy one innings and only seventy five strikeouts. Is when you can't get them to chase, you're going to walk guys. And to compound that. The issue with Rowanzi Contreras is uh, the pitches, they all have below average movement, right? Um, Now, he has a lot of deception in the delivery, but the curveball breaks less than the average curveball. The slider sweeps less than the average slider. The changeup drops less than the average changeup. And so you have to to do the whole thing based, based off of what it looks like out of your hand. And getting guys to believe it's a fastball and in essence tricking them with something else. So it's a lot of brute force and deception right now. I think if you can tweak at least one of those breaking pitches to be a you know one of those secondaries to be a little bit uh, crisper, get you a little bit more spin and movement on it, you're going to have a one-two pairing that is good enough to keep that ERA down in the lower half of the threes versus the upper half of the threes. The fact that it was below four on the team he was on and the situation he was in was already an achievement. Uh, Graham Ashcraft of the Reds was the fifth and final pitcher on this list. 105 innings, 489 ERA, 71 strikeouts in 105 innings, 30 walks, 281 batting average allowed, 142 whip. Statistically, probably the hardest to um, put on the list just kind of given the raw numbers, you have to remember, one, the ballpark he plays in. We talked about park factors. Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati is an absolute home run factory, uh, as well as the team that he played on. But fastball sits somewhere between 65 and a 70 grade. It's got good velo to it. Uh, above average cutter. I want to say the average, uh, the top speed of the cutter is like 99 miles an hour, which is ridiculous. The slider, plus slider, it's got above average movement to it. I, I really like watching that. 
And then he's really good at throwing all of this stuff. He's above average at throwing it on the edges of the zone. Kind of like we talked about with Alexis Diaz earlier. I don't know if that's a Cincinnati thing. I don't know if that's uh, a coincidental thing. If that's like, I, I don't know what that is. And something I'm going to definitely look into more is do the top pitchers, are they better at hitting the edges of the zone than some of their contemporaries that have worse stats? Or is that something that Cincinnati's been teaching? But either way, thought that was fantastic. And then the two relievers on their second team, um, Yoan Duran of the Twins, who I had on my first team, and then Brock Burke of the Rangers, converted starter. So uh, 2014 third rounder by Tampa, 6'4", 180, was actually traded... Uh, I believe that was in the Jurickson Profar deal where it was like a three-way trade. It was the Rays, the Rangers, and the A's. So he was moved in that trade in 2018. Uh, This year switched from being a starter to being a reliever. Uh, Fastball sits mid to upper 90s. Um, All of the pitches, like what they do, the slider and the change both, they all have above average horizontal movement and below average vertical movement. So he's doing a lot of lateral stuff with you. Throwing it inside, but it ends up over the strike zone. Throwing it outside, but it backdoors on you. Uh, but it's been really good to watch. And and Brock Burke deserves second team. 52 games, 197 ERA over 82 and a third appearances. No start. So he's just going multiple innings in quite a few games. 90 strikeouts and in 82 innings to 24 walks. Gave up nine home runs, but Kept the walks below three walks per nine. Kept the strikeouts over nine strikeouts per nine. Uh, the whip was just barely over one. So like what I saw out of Brock Burke. Great week this week. If you've made it this far and you're on audio, do us a favor. Go out to the podcast app of your choice. Leave us a five-star review. It really does mean a ton. If you're on video, go in, like the video, leave a comment, subscribe to the channel. Uh, it does mean a lot to us. If you have questions for the mailbag, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. Or you can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. Until tomorrow, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects. Mm-hmm.